Hello everybody and welcome back to Eyes in the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. Hey, it's me. It, as usual. It, it me. <laughs> Today is December 11th. This is episode 107, Unwrapping the Mythic News. Uh, because as is tradition, um, all the big announcements happen on Thursdays for some reason. And so... Um, there was the big esports announcement from Wizards of the Coast that happened during the Game Awards and was accidentally leaked six hours or three hours early. Four. Um, I think it was like four. Four, three, four hours. Well, okay. It so was what, six, it was six Eastern when the article went up. Yeah. Cause what it was supposed to do is supposed to be six, six Pacific. PM Pacific, but so four and, hours. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. So yeah, <laughs> it so was like that. It was a big goof. Somebody probably got either fired or a stern talking to. However, um, it didn't f- really announce everything. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't tell the whole story, which um, is a lot worse. Which is a lot. Well, <laughs> it's a lot different. Okay, it's not worse. It's just like a lot's changing. Exactly, a lot. Uh, and then also this Sunday was my RPTQ, um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well. So. Before we get started in all of that fun news, we want to first take a look at the eyes on the community. Uh, the first one was a big one that uh, slowly developed over the course of Monday and and today. Um, Cat Light, um, who you, you may know, if you don't, she is kind of the like the godmother. No, very, I, we'll, we'll go with what her we'll go with yeah we'll go with what her current display title is on Twitter. It is yeah. Queen of the Spirit Squad. So. She fell in love with Bant Spirits once they became more of a thing after it got the shot in the arm from uh, Supreme Spirit, I think it is. I want to say she's been playing this deck for a lot longer than She's been that. playing, but it got a lot better. It got a lot better after Supreme Phantom was printed when Supreme in Phantom, yeah. And she has been relentlessly tweaking the deck, um, modifying it. She was trying blue-white spirits for a while. Still likes the Bant for Noble Hierarch and Collective Company just for the sheer swing of it, plus cyber cards. So anyway, she was at SCGCon this past weekend and had a Airbnb that they hosted a couple friends over and other people, I guess, came over as well. And in the hubbub of said party, somebody stole her deck. Which was which, like half-foiled out or something? Yeah, something about half-foiled out. Uh, some of it had some very Cards had some pretty deep meaning to her, and she was crushed. So I know Cat, and like one of the first couple tweets and stuff like that, somebody mentioned like, "Hey, maybe get together." I'm like, "Oh yeah, we a whole bunch of us got together back when one of our fellow moderators for Gabby, uh, Lady Atarka, Lauren, had her apartment broken into around this time last year, I think it was, and her Tron deck was stolen, and a lot of the group community in that chat." or for Gabby's chat, got together and helped her rebuild that one. And we basically did the same thing. Uh, yeah. Like other, another moderator that I'd work with, uh, Matt, okay, Stunlock, he basically just took point on this and created a Google Doc. And people were like, yeah, I'll chip in this, chip in this. So now Kat has essentially an entirely foiled out spirit stack coming to her. being Every card being signed by the members of the community. They're donating it. I actually didn't have any decent foil parts of it. And then I saw someone was saying, hey, well, here, here's the sleeves we're sending you. And I'm like, I don't think those are necessarily uh, – they're the Dragon Shield ones and not all of them are particularly see-through. Or some of them are mm. particularly opaque. So I was like, hey, I've got like an extra two packs or so of the Dragon Shield uh, – uh, what's it called? 
the uh, smoke perfect fits smoke, no, the sm- smoke, yeah the perfect yeah. fits the smoke sleeve perfect fits so i was like yeah i'll send a pack of perfect fix i'm helping <laughs> the the perfect fits on that one but yeah within not even 24 hours basically of this happening she basically the community was like yeah we'll send you a foil deck and there were people who were like oh yeah I, they, they saw it as they were going on their shift for work or something like that they're you know do a 12 13 hour shift they got off a shift it's like i couldn't even get to my collection to check like, i couldn't even get home yeah it's like i saw this when i was going into work by the time i got home everything was already spoken for which was incredible and not only this too so this the spirit of generosity for this uh just i think part of today i saw it pop up is that rhino uh mtg young mage who does youtube content and has also been on one of the loading ready run pre-pre-releases he we met, I don't know if we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, he had some seizures and was in the hospital. They put up a GoFundMe to help fund a seizure monitor for him. And it is already funded. Yeah. Like $3,000 uh, for a seizure monitor already funded by the community. And I think there was a $400 donation from TCG Player and Cool Stuff Inc. matched that as well. Yeah. Um, which like, was about maybe two, two, three hours ago at time of recording. And then it was like – at that point, it was like $50 away from being fully funded. So now – I, I saw it was fully funded a little while ago, but yeah, it's insane right now just how generous people are picking each other up during hard times. I mean, heck, I don't expect all of our listeners to be of you know celebrating you know Christmas or Hanukkah or anything of like that. Heck, you might not even be celebrating anything, but season of giving, everyone's doing it, and it's great to see the community come together because too often we hear the negative side of things, and mm-hmm. we we absolutely need to put a spotlight on and raise up great examples of, Hey, look, the community is actually pretty rad when it comes down to it. And in this case, man, we smashed it out the park. Good job, everybody. Seriously. Yes, did. Like great work to everyone who, I mean, even for like the first couple hours, my entire timeline was just full of people retweeting and giving a heads up on, Hey, keep an eye out for cat's tech kind of thing. Odds really are we'll never really says something because you follow like a million people on Twitter, dude. It, well, to be fair, most of it was some people re- 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 retweeting the retweets, yeah, the quote tweets into it. But that said, it was still just the sheer number of people who were just like, "Hey, keep an eye out for the deck that I was seeing because of other people putting in my feed." Mm-hmm. It was great. Yep, and we definitely need to, you know, just make sure that this keeps happening and. I, I will already say this. There has been some instances of salt where people are, oh, well, how the heck did she get her deck already? It's like, like I mentioned at the top of this little part is that Kat has basically been pushing Bant Spirits before it was a thing. She mm-hmm. has been an evangel for the deck. Like I basically said to somebody, nobody else has pushed the deck, uh, tweaked it, modified it, tested it. And basically put it in a position where pros were like, you know what? I'm just going to play this deck because it's amazing at GPs and top eighting with it. Yeah. Looking at you, I think it was Stanislaw. Sifka, I think, was doing it. Maybe. Or somebody somebody in Europe was doing it. I forget exactly who off the top of my head. But yeah, like she pushed this deck so hard because she loved it and did work. And she's an amazing person, amazing player. I'm so happy for her. And also for Rhino and his family. So, hey. Now on to different news. (laughs) Now on to a little less fun news. 
for I me, mean, we found out for the, some people. Yeah, for some people. I, I, all right, I, we'll have to say what it is first. So yesterday, an article went out. Wizard of the Coast said this weekend at the World Magic Cup. Surprise! By the way, yeah, World Magic Cups this weekend. Kind of another like, hey, we'll get to another reason why everyone's like, oh, okay, that's why they're not really pushing it too much in a sec for our main topics. But sub only chat this weekend. So subscriber only chat. I'll be able to chat because I'm a moderator. But unfortunately for people out there, you're going to have to chip $5 over to Wizards on Twitch to chat in chat this weekend. For word for word, uh, we're doing this. So streaming uh, Twitch this weekend, we'll be testing Twitch in subscriber only mode just for the duration of the event. We're going to do this to see how sub only mode impacts the stream and whether it can further our goals of creating a better quality conversation around what is happening on stream and being a positive place for the community. We strive to continuously improve the quality of chat during our events, and this is a further exploration of the best possible ways to better the experience. Wizards is dedicated to bringing, pe- bringing people together with our games and creating safe, inclusive environments for players of all types, whether in physical spaces or online. As a moderator for this chat, I will, I've will i said it online too, is that seeing other people retweet this article into my feed was the first that I heard of it. Uh, we were not informed of beforehand as the moderator team we're all volunteers by the way no paid nothing i have to preface that uh there's no business relationship in terms of any kind of monetary and or uh perks and or physical product of any kind so there's none of that kind of thing between me and wizards it's just i volunteer and i do the chat for them moderate chat we weren't informed of this usually we kind of get a little bit of a heads up hey some news is coming out we didn't get any heads up i was kind of miffed Honestly, that like even just like a hey, this is coming down the pipeline, or hey, beware, we got some news for this weekend. Cause that kind of changes my outlook of how I go about even mentally preparing for modding, which is kind of interesting. That said, yeah. you were kind of interjecting, like I was like, I don't I personally don't I will we'll discuss this in another topic another day because I feel like it involved, like a whole episode should be about this. But yeah, I have a seething song about this. Basically, it's queued up, ready to go in my head. That said, there are people in the community that are happy for this. And you know what? I get it. I fully understand where you're coming from from that point and perspective. And to be fair, yeah, it it should go sub only or potentially not even be there. However, I could get into the weeds on this for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not going to. Yeah. So basically, I understand why. Uh, It's mainly women and less enfranchised players and less professional players that usually the chat likes to turn on and you know any kind of misplay they jump on and jump down their throats whereas a pro they'll kind of like meh misplay whatever i get it chat's horrible times and yeah my my tldr before before we actually probably devote a full week to this is um good chat is obviously superior to both bad chat and no chat correct the problem However, is is that in my opinion yeah uh no chat is better than bad chat absolutely agree so and right that's, now that's my tldr and, and right now we're not at good chat so yeah they're testing it out and we'll see how it goes yep but i will definitely i definitely have a long discussion i actually need to reach out to some of my wizards contacts and talk to them about this which yeah. i mean i because i've talked to them a couple months ago i need to follow up but yeah anticipate a chat i mean again i already t- had a nice long podcast episode about moderating 
if you go listen to Kitchen Table Magic. I forget the episode, but it's season four. Go check it out. We'll put in a link down below. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's enough of that. Main topic. Main topic. We mentioned it briefly. So, there was a thing. <laughs> yeah, the a thing ti- that got announced. So our timing is always horrible. Even when we were recording on Wednesdays and now recording on Tuesdays, everything always came out on Thursday and Friday. Right. I, it's like, it, like you can't record on Saturday because, you know, everyone's busy on Saturday. You can't record on Sunday. Everyone's busy on Sunday and you got work on Monday. You can't record on Monday because it's Monday and it's just like there's no winning. Yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday were great, and then we moved Wednesday because of Legacy, and I went to Legacy a couple times. But then, like Thursday and Friday are also busy. But yeah, it's it's you can you can never win. We can the trials and tribulations of a content creator. Anyways, have, have fun, kids, if you ever want to do it. <laughs> um, the the big news, and there's a big t- there's a TLDR that's linked in the show notes as well as the initial announcement. The announcement, the article written by Lane Chase says the next chapter for Magic Esports. Um, here is the TLDR, and we're going to go through it and expound when we think it's appropriate for our input because people have definitely beaten this topic to death. Because holy crap, we heard. esports now, kids. Yep. Uh, first, over the course of the year 2019, there is a $10 million prize pool across digital and tabletop magic, now, which more than doubles the prize pool of the entirety of 2018. Yeah. Now, for digital, we have to preface arena. Yeah, they mean arena. They don't mean magic online. They mean arena. Mm-hmm. Next is the what they're calling the Magic Pro League. So what this is is the top thirty-two pros get signed seventy-five thousand dollars yearly contracts. They are p- qualified to play in every premier level event, which I'll we'll name those a little bit later. Now, um, now we have to say the streamer contracts with a combined worth of seventy-five thousand. So we don't know if it's the seventy-five thousand. From the wording, it says it seems like the seventy-five thousand is broken out amongst the thirty-two players. That's so not how I read it. Well, all right, so I'll read it directly different. from the thing. The inaugural year of the MPL comprises thirty-two of Magic's top-ranked players from around the world, who are each offered player and streaming contracts with a combined worth of seventy-five thousand dollars. The way that I'm reading it is that the, they are offered a player contract and a streamer contract, whose combined worth is seventy-five thousand dollars. Either way, it's confusing. Not- language. It's either way, it's confusing language, and they haven't really clarified it. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. We'll find out later. Once once the top 32 players are named, which they have not been named yet, although I could probably list off a couple names. Side caveat real quick. This is just a – this particular thing right here is a microcosm of how confusing this whole announcement was unveiled. Yeah. Um, anyway, continuing. Part of being in the Magic Pro League is that you'll have seasonal weekly play, uh, which Willie kind of breaks it down as think of a monster version of the Super Leagues that Randy Bueller ran. Um and then there's also a hot site with all the players and format structure for the league that's going to come up later for a, like a website that you can kind of look at. And let's say Reed Duke, who I assume is going to be in the top 32, well, you'll see who Reed is playing each week and what he's playing each week. And if they do streaming format-wise. for it, hey kids, remember that thing we just talked about with moderating? Yeah, be prepared for yeah. be prepared for subscriber only chat. Yeah. So here's the other, here's the other big thing. There are two major events that they've announced: this new Magic Arena tournaments. The first one is called the Mythic Invitation. We'll get used to hearing the word mythic, by the way. It will be a tournament hosted in PAX East on March 28th to 31st. Total prize pool of a million dollars. The participants are all Magic Pro League players plus challengers with more details to come in January, which looks like the challenger invites may be open to the public through some sort of qualification system. Yeah, it's it's all we a, it says including who's like when we're feeling more about the information, including who snags the elusive slots. Maybe one of them can be you, which means, yeah, there'll probably be public invites. So get working on them ladder. Uh, yeah, 
<laughs> your ladder invites. That might be how you help qualify for plans. Next is the Mythic Championships, which are high price pool. Uh, you can you can qualify by, by playing Arena Mythics at home, and the tabletop Mythic Championships are what are formerly Pro Tours. Yeah, so the Pro Tour is now called the Mythic Championship. It's like there's a complete rebranding. So this is where the it's not bad, but it's just a whole different thing from earlier. That's what it is. It's literally everything that we know about the pro circuit is just getting turned on its head. Yeah. Whether or not uh, it's good, we don't know. The Pro Tours or Tabletop Mythic Championships now will have a total prize pool of $500,000 in prizes. And as a positive change, uh, Myth- Tabletop Mythic Championships will pay out to last place. Yeah. So basically, it's so doubling the prize. It's double the prize. Yeah, double the prize pool. And just for making the Pro Tour, quote unquote Pro Tour, you will get cash. Used to be you'd get pro points. Fun fact, pro points will be no longer. Yeah, they're freezing pro point totals. As we'll, we'll mention that later on day. when we talked yeah. about the pro players club. But yeah. yeah. Um, then there are a couple of other major changes. Um, this will, this will, won't usually affect the, you know, the layman player. But yeah. for some of the higher level pros, this is a huge change. So previously last year, there were six pro tours announced. And I went on the record. I believe I said it here. I might have said it just in public, like in public. But I was like, in 2020, there's going to be eight pro tours because it just seemed, or that just seemed like that was going to be the natural progression. Turns Surprise. out, there are four tabletop mythic championships, and two of them were canceled. Yep. The if you were looking to go to, for if you're looking to go to Dallas or Sydney, you're gone. Yep. Um, Cleveland and London, which are the first two, qualification will be the same as it, as it was because it it's the RPT RPTQ system. Barcelona and Richmond will have different um, invitations than previously announced. Um, one of the things they announced with the these these like month these like pro tours within a month of each other, like for example, Barcelona and Dallas and Richmond and Sydney. Um, now, if you do well at a G, uh, at a Grand Prix, you don't get a qualification for the regional or for the the pro tour in your region. You would just get an invitation. Yeah, presumably. yeah. So they're basically the region locking of these pro of the pro tour now mythic championships at grand prix now magic fest are being changed it's, uh basically yeah. yeah it's they're unlock they're unlocking global lock or region locks on it which is mm-hmm. which is what we should have had to begin with yeah. uh tabletop mythic championships after london will no longer have travel offers yeah and that said a paying out to bot last place should alleviate that yeah it depends I haven't seen the full price structure, and I think it's also going to matter on how many people actually attend each yes. championship, because you know that'll they have to split the prize pool amongst them. But yes, that mostly affects platinum level pros who get the travel awards usually. Yeah. Um, other things: the tabletop Grand Prix circuit held at Magic Fests is still being run by CFB events. I believe they are offering $2.5 million in prizes over the entirety of 2019. There's also an amount of money, which was undisclosed as of the time of the publishing of the article and as of time of recording, for MTG Arena tournaments run by independent organizers. So think something like DreamHacks, yeah. where you could go play a play an eternal tournament, and there would be money set aside by Wizards for prizes for that event. Yeah, it's a... Uh... Partner events, especially esports events featuring Magic Arena, according to the uh, article, it like the DreamHack ESL kind of thing was just 
an example that Willie threw in his notes, which to be fair, yeah. this TLDR is really good breaking down this it stuff for breaking the digestible chunks. And then there is a, a, according to Willie, a spectacular end of year worlds featuring top players of the year across Magic the Gathering arena and tabletop with more news to come, obviously, because worlds is going to happen for a while. Yeah, it's just a way to the restructuring world championship, basically. Yeah. So uh, big changes. Nationals no longer having nationals after having brought them back for two years. Nationals are being discontinued. Rip. Next year, there is no World Magic Cup. Yeah. So the World Magic Cup that this year's World Magic Cup is going to be the last one as we know. Now, so with the World Magic Cup, this is kind of it's been kind of a point of contention right now with a lot of people online in that. I can't even name a couple people who are going to World Magic Cup. Now, our team is Tomiko. I believe that was, was that last year's was team? That last year's team. With, with Jerry T, to, uh, Oliver Tomiko. Yeah, and, it was last year's team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't even know who the American <laughs> team is. I'm blanking on it. They did, they did some of the previews today for it, but I have just been completely out of the loop on that. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's to be fair, it's kind of a, a front on our part where we didn't have this ready to go, but it also shows the fact that, hey, look, off the top of your head, can you name it? Nope. I mean, I could make a, I could make an educated guess that Seth Manfield is probably the captain of the American team. Oh, right. Was... Yeah, Seth Manfield is. Yeah. I remember him uh, mentioning, I'm pulling up his thing. Yeah, it's just, or it's Dylan Brown, Justin Andrus, and Seth Manfield. Yeah. Dylan Brown, national champion, Justin Andrus, runner up, Seth Manfield, captain. Yep. Um, next. Are also this year's the Pro Tour Team Series, which was which in my opinion has been wildly successful, um, is being discontinued after this season. Now, of all of these changes, personally, I dislike this one the least. I like I dislike this one the most. Yeah, agree. This is the change that I hate because mm-hmm. I felt like they were actually going somewhere and did not give the Pro Tour Team Series time to breathe. Like yeah. they ramped it up with the inaugural like test run. And then they had what one or two seasons? Of this a- would be the third. Well, yeah, so this would be the 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 they had the initial test season and the two full seasons. Yeah, and it's like eh, it didn't work. It's yeah. like give it like another two three more years, especially if you're going esports. Jeez, this would have been perfect. Yeah, like just Anyways. look at just look at other. Well, I'm 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 going off on yeah, this yeah. one. So just look at other esports. You've got like teams like Cloud Nine and. He pauses as he actually doesn't realize he watches esports. Anyway, <laughs> I know about Cloud9 um, and that just because other people, you know, hype them up for other different things. I watch PUBG tournaments and I completely am blanking on it. Uh, oh, what's it called? Straight out of South George or South Georgia sure. Pole. Like that's a that's a pro team that has a kind of weird, funky name. You're not going to see it in other ones, but I don't watch a lot of League of Legends, which is where a lot of the major esports things or mm. I mean, just look at Overwatch League. They have teams there, but it's you know not quite the same as the Pro Tour team series because those are actually teams hiring people on. I would have yes. said Immortals, but there's a personal connection there because my fiance's younger brother used to work for them, right? But they don't do LOL anymore because of fees. That's another thing too. Is the, it was it would have been a great way for teams like for Watsi to get another revenue stream is that there's franchising fees for the pro teams in like these other major esports, but now I guess we're not going to have teams, just loose associations. I thought it was great. The pros seemed to love it because it was a great way to get 
uh, a bunch of good players together. There were already super teams anyway, and it was just like the inevitability of hey, there's all these other teams. There's all these teams out there like we had the Pantheon and Genesis, and they just kind of solidified it into yeah, this is actually your team. Funnel it in, go, yeah. and gave them a com- yeah. competition to shoot for, and now it's gone. Yeah, I'm sad it's going because it was like a cool little way to like. I, I love I know you love stats and I like looking at the little like edges. It's like, hey, this guy did great. The rest of his team didn't, and he single handedly brought his entire team up and is holding them yep. up. Oh well, we'll see. Anyways, I I think that that alone is something that will come back in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Just because you can't really go hard on the esports angle and not look at teams. You can try. You can. They're definitely going to they're definitely going to shoot for the solo aspect of it which yes I get it, but people yeah. like teams people like working together well yeah I'm just saying like even it's very it's very hard in a game like magic to break it independently you almost always have to be working with someone or you have to play against someone and someone's going to fi- see you play this and figure out oh what's this person doing let me try to recreate it and then you know it Flow of information is just not going to stop, and it's going to be hard to keep things contained. But which is why the teams are very good at you know working within one with working within themselves and working with themselves to make sure that you know hey this strategy that we've come up with is a good one or whatever. Yeah, so. just look at one of the biggest I guess examples of this is the biggest lone wolf that Wizards had for Pro Tours over the last five to six years was Sean McLaren who would just jam Jeskai, have a good Jeskai thing. Eventually, in the end, I think last season, he was on a team. Mm-hmm. He gave up his lone wolf ways, and he would test with his brother. That was it. Yep. And now he's on a team, and it just shows that eventually, in a long enough time arc, even the people who were going solo realized, look, I need to, I need to work with a team for this to yep. achieve my fullest potential. We'll see the teams. Big thing. We'll see teams again. Sorry. They'll be back. Yeah. The last big thing is that there was a change to the Pro Players Club. First up, if you are in the Magic Pro League, you rescind your Pro, pro Player Club benefits for the new contracts, which sure, whatever. But if you're outside the Magic Pro League, if you're not in the top 32, any earned benefits that you have earned will be granted through the end of 2019. That's pretty good. Yeah. So basically, basically, you're will- locked in for the entirety of next year, which is yeah. why. If you're 33rd, you're going to keep whatever benefits you had. If you're 32nd, congratulations, you're in the MPL. You got to give up yeah. your benefits. The last event that will give out Pro Points is going to be Grand Prix Seattle. After that, Pro Points will be frozen. Yeah, it's Magic Fest as, Seattle, but yeah, same as difference. Been, well, the Grand Prix is an event at the Magic Fest. They're still called Grand Prix. It's the event itself that's called the Magic Fest. Yeah, I know. I just... Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, honestly. Anyways... Um, Statuses earned here will last for until the end of 2019. Tabletop Mythic Championships will include qualification spots for four players who did well in previous Tabletop Mythic Championships, essentially reiterating uh, our the previous thing of, you know, if you do well at the Pro Tour, if you do well enough, if you get a high enough record, you're qualified for the next Pro Tour. Oh, and by the way, just in this, a quick aside on that, Pro Points will be given out through Grand Prix Seattle. That's basically the end of June. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at nearly half, more than half the year, actually, because it's June 20th. So you're looking at more than half of the year that will still get out pro points. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, 2019 is the last year for Hall of Fame voting and qualification as it, as it is currently put up. 
after that, Watsi, after this, Watsi will reveal a new Hall of Fame structure starting in 2020. Yeah, so the voting structure that's been around uh, is kind of people looking at like, oh, well, look how many Pro Tour top eights you've got, all that kind of stuff. That's that's all going well, away. Well, the, the qualification thing was more. It was like 120 pro points or something along those lines. And um, an ex, I think it was like 10 years or something like that active on the Pro Tour. Yeah, or since your since, since your first Pro since Tour. Your, yeah, since your 10 years since your first Pro Tour. Yeah. yeah. So those are the changes. That's the kind of the TLDR of it. Um, now, because of this, and you'll notice in all of that speaking about the, you know, Mythic Championship or whatever, and I don't want to editorialize too much on it because, I mean, A, we have a little bit, and B, we don't know that much more because there's still details that need to get filled in. That announcement did not mention Magic Online at all. Yeah. At all. Yeah, so this and was on Thursday. That was on Thursday that came out. And how did the Magic player community respond? Uh, this by is trying to sell out of Magic Online. This is Fine Dog sitting in the fiery room. Yes, and the fun. Funnily enough, so this a personal side on this one. I have been trying to like whittle down my Magic Online account to basically the decks that I'll play and just get rid of all the extra bulk. I was like, all right, cool. This is looks like a good time to do it. And that announcement slipped out, and then. The minute that announcement slipped out that it was like, hey, Arena's got esports stuff going on with it and no Magic Online thing was mentioned in that, uh, I guess, accidental leak article. Everyone's yeah. like, uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, man, there goes my four hours. <laughs> it was, yep. I was like, I got four hours to do this. And I was like, nope, no time at all. Um, if I had wanted to that night, I priced out basically my bulk. I could have sold it off that minute for like 160 dollars 160 tickets uh in the mm. end i waited over the weekend uh sold it for 135 ish tickets to one of the bots that was on like friday that i sold mm. it like not even 12 hours after i got my first quote i put another quote too and then before i could even get the hey this is what we're offering you back they froze like every single service froze their uh, collection mm-hmm. because these businesses ran out of money essentially they couldn't pay people for their collections mm-hmm. that many people were trying to sell it off it basically became akin to the stock market crash but it didn't like we so the economy didn't crash i called it a hiccup in the show notes because it's essentially what it was basically the companies that you would go to sell your accounts out to they sold everything they could or in terms of tickets and everything like that um, there were some companies that just straight up froze it and were like, hey, we're not buying tickets. We're not buying cards. We're not doing anything right now. We're locked mm-hmm. out for the weekend. Other companies were like, if you really want to sell us your tickets, we'll give you 39 cents or 29 cents on it. Um, that night before the announcement went out, tickets were going for 92 cents. So yep. tickets lost two thirds of their value over the weekend. Now they're back up to like 80 ish. So if you want to, that's fine. You can you sell yourself mm-hmm. out. I my full intention was just to get tickets because I f- still fully intend on using Magic Online, and that's how I'm gonna you know buy into pro- buy into events. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I still have my Infect deck. Still have Legacy Burn, Legacy Infect, Modern Infect, Modern Death Shadow, and my Pauper decks, and my Pauper sideboards. That's yep, and a couple of like pieces of power and stuff like that. So yep. But that said. It was a huge panic 
if you want to get into Magic Online and modern legacy, even vintage, do it now. If you're yeah, listening, that was probably a pretty good if you're time. listening to this on Wednesday, you might be fine. If you're listening to this Thursday, Friday, you might be a little late and have missed it, and prices might already be on the upswing. That said, certain cards are still thirty tickets, which is ridiculous. Looking at you, surgical extraction. <laughs> yeah, but that card's like necessary. So well, yeah, and leyline, like leyline and yeah. surgical didn't take a hit at all. There were certain cards that took massive hits, but other ones didn't. Also, Arclight Phoenix is a heck of a card these days. It's literally winning tournaments and Arclight Phoenix is a very good card. Yeah. But yeah, so with the whole esports announcement, it came the uncertainty of Magic Online. That said, they have actually stated we fully intend on supporting Magic Online for the you know foreseeable future. What that means to what extent no one, knows. no one really knows but so the i'll read the tweet from december 7th from the magic online twitter account at magic online mtgo is still definitely part of the magic esports program players will still be able to qualify for tabletop mythic championships through magic online tournaments aka the mocks for mad for more about miko's plans uh i think it's chris yeah chris kurtz state of the program article will be out next week on the magic online site that will be this week coming there this week so yes. that was on the 7th which was a friday anticipate an article on thursday or friday about the state of magic online and the way forward so mm-hmm. again like we mentioned the curse of doing it on tuesday but magic online is still a viable program yeah if you want to get uh, into it now's a great time it's definitely a buyer's market until prices again you know stabilize for whatever the necessary items are I, so i will say this if you're playing standard on Magic Online, you better be jamming it into P, uh, the PTQ system. Because if you're doing it on Magic Online, you should be doing it on Arena if you really want to keep it cheap. Yes. 100%. Which is what I'm doing, which is fun. Hey. Oh, quick, quick side note. I had a really... Niv Mizzet, also a crazy card. My I had a... I did a clip on my Twitter account of this. But basically, I had... My opponent was Green Black... Uh, what's it? Explore. The green light mid-range deck with wild growth walkers and yeah chupacabras and uh yeah. secret squire so they had chupacabra i think i just killed a secret squire they had two wild growth walkers that had there were two fours a chupacabra and a secret squire and all i had in hand was a spell pierce and a lava coil so i draw opt cast opt get the trigger start churning through i basically wiped their entire board they were 20 and i was at eight at the end of that turn, they had no board state were and were at four life. Nice. <laughs> I had one of the Drakes out too. It was dumb. It was. Nice. I love that deck. And Nifmis, it's my homie. Nifmis, it's a very, very good card. And what can I say? But I was right. What the Nifmis was good. Yes. Yeah, I'll admit that I got scared by the ma- the the triple pip. The cost. Yeah. The no. CCC DDD. Yeah. Pip cost. Now all. I- now all I want is I wish Niv Mizzet instead of costing blue 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 red 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 was just six blue red hybrid mana, but that would have been made it way better. Oh, he would have been so mono blue would have played him. Mono red would have played him. Oh god, that's scary. <laughs> but they wouldn't print that card as as mono blue or mono red. So I'm sorry, blue, blue, I blue red red red. That actually like is a really scary thought thinking about mono red having <laughs> Niv Mizzet. Oh god, that's gross. It is hard pass. Anyways. Hard pass. Speaking of other magic, uh, as I mentioned at the top, speaking of uh, red, I played blue. it. Speaking of red, blue. Speaking of is it decks? 
Uh, I played in a regional Pro Tour qualifier. Not the last one, the second to last one. There's still one more season of RPTQs for uh, Pro Tour London. Uh, or Mythic Championship London, excuse me. And so I had been talking previously about my prep, about how I prepped using how I went to GP Atlanta to help kind of figure out how I wanted to do things, kind of what the metagame was going to look like. And so eventually I registered the deck I talked about last night or last week, um, where I was playing two main deck pieces of the puzzle instead of Remanded Unsubstantiate. I still played Noxious Revival because I think that that card is very good. Um, and then I had my sideboard, which I, which being able to take out two of those pieces of the puzzle means that I am able to play two thing in the ice. Uh, so my sideboard is Echoing Truth, Giga Drows, two copies of pieces of the puzzle, two copies of thing in the ice, one copy of Wipe Away, Dismember, two copies of a Braid, two copies of Empty the Warrens, one copy of Flame Slash, and two copies of Lightning Bolt. Um, and then the usual storm deck, um, which you could probably find online and I'll probably post a, a full, full breakdown of the car of the deck in the show notes as well. And so I show up to, uh, the next level games, which is one of the local game stores up here in Nashville. And, uh, we had 55 people show up for this RPTQ, Hmm. which means we have six rounds with a cut to top eight. Um, and having done the math a little bit into the, into the event, uh, unless there were some unintentional draws, uh, the cutoff was going to be, uh, or without any intentional draws, the cutoff would be one person at four and two would make it. But with intentional draws or some unintentional draws, as did occur during the event, um, a 13 or 14 pointer would be the cutoff point for making the top eight. Um, and as it, as it happened, we did have a player. We had... Uh, the uh, the grandfather of the rock, the deck, not the wrestler, Sol Maka, was at our our, our PTQ no playing. Yeah, playing the rock. Uh, I believe he went three, one, and two with two unintentional draws. Oof. Yeah, it was it was not good for it was not good a good day for Sol. Hasht- anyway. Hashtag mid range life. Exactly. Um, but I believe he had a win and in in the last round potentially to make top eight. Um, the cut was going to be so four I, and two, right? Potentially one four and uh, two. He would have been. Uh, he would have been four o two. I want to say. Okay, yeah, that that definitely would have. I mean, that beats out a four and two. Beats out a four one one. Yeah, beats out a four one one and a four two. Exactly. So, round one, uh, I played against uh, Tim Harris, who was on Tron, and um, there wasn't anything real big to say about uh, this match. I won game one with a typical storm kill. Uh, my life total got down pretty far because I had to use I had to sh- I had to shock myself. I had to um, tap a shivan reef a couple times, and I believe he used a walking ballista to mow down some of my uh, some of my mana creatures. But eventually, I managed to pull off the storm win. Uh, my sideboard plan for Tron: I t- add in two copies of pieces of the puzzle, one copy of Wipe Away, and two copies of a Braid, and then I take out two copies of Gifts Ungiven, one copy of Past in Flames, one copy of Sleight of Hand, and one copy of Noxious Revival. Uh, this is mainly because the sideboard cards that they're going to bring in, and a couple of these cards they they may play main deck, really kind of hurt the plan uh, of trying to storm off. Uh, the big two are Grafdigger's Cage and Relic of Progenitus. Um, yeah. Relic of Progenitus is just very good and very annoying. This is what Wipe Away is very good for, because Wipe Away has split second. I can wipe away your Relic, and you don't have the opportunity to pop it. Um, other cards that they may play is Spatial Contortion which is from Oath of the Gatewatch. It is one in a colorless mana for an instant that, t- that gives plus three, minus three. Uh, it also sometimes will play Surgical Extraction uh, as just a way of getting rid of 
the the wind condition if it goes to my graveyard for some reason uh and then thought not seer and dismember kind of round out their hate package um and so that's why i i boarded the way i did uh game two uh it was a traditional tron hand basically they landed an early card ate my lands ate my creatures uh cast an ulamog and then we were done uh then in game three uh uh let's see tim mulligan to five kept a one lander never found his second or third land and i took it from there pretty easily so tim got a little unlucky but trons is a good matchup for me even through all of their hate pieces so it's not unreasonable that i'm gonna get a a early match win over tron you and i seem to play decks that have pretty favorable matchups against tron Granted, Storm versus Tron is not as much of a buy as Infect versus Tron. I will say this: I have come awfully close and had some nail biters against Tron. If yeah, like if your opponent needs like the literal god draw to even have a chance at sometimes, and even then, it's not enough. Yeah, like quick aside, I know I mentioned this on one of the previous episodes. I had a thing where I had stuck a turn two. I played, yeah, I was like turn two. On the draw, I or on the yeah on the draw, I stick blade agent say go. Opponent goes turn uh, was it turn two or turn three? Anyway, I had an ink mock nexus and a bladed agent. So either way, they were just I was turn three. I, I thought protection up for uh with a vines of asswood. So they played Karn on three, and I'm just like yeah okay. They Karn away my ink moth nexus. I go okay third land again. Pump pump pump. You're dead. Yeah. I'm like nice carn you got yeah. either way i had i had the infect kill regardless of what they did mm-hmm. uh round two i played against ro hinoyosa who was playing blue white control um and in game one i won it took a little bit of maneuvering because past path to exile is a very powerful card uh and i but i did manage to in one of the harder things to do is start a storm kill without a creature in play which is part of the reason why I love Noxious Revival, because I was able to go Ritual, 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 Pass in Flames or whatever, Noxious Revival, Baral to the top of my deck, Ritual Manamorphose to draw Baral, Ritual some more, cast a Gifts Ungiven, and then just continue the Storm Kill. It was pretty straightforward uh, after that point. Uh, game two, our sideboard plan for blue-white control is two pieces of the puzzle, two Empty the Warrens, one Giga Drows, one Wipe Away, and one Echoing Truth come in. Three Gifts Ungiven, one Pass in Flames, two Goblin Electromancer, and one Pyretic Ritual go out. Uh, this is mainly for their Counterspell Suite. Blue-White plays things like Logic Knot count, and Cryptic Command up front. They also get to bring in things like Dispel or Spell Pierce. Uh, mainly Dispel is the one that we really care about since a lot of our big action cards are instants. Uh, they also will play Rest in Peace. They may play Damping Sphere, but not often. A couple will play Surgical Extraction. And then another card that they usually bring in for the Tron matchup, because that can be unfavorable, is Disdainful Stroke, which counters Gifts Ungiven, which counters Past and Flames, which is why I go down those cards and instead go on the pieces of the puzzle plan. So you basically uh, shut off... Wait, what's, what's piece of puzzles? Uh, it is two and a blue for okay, a sorcery so it, so from it gets Shadows under, Over Yeah, so it gets... So they might even bring in that, and you're just like, yeah. you got literally no targets, bro. Yeah. Uh, not literally. I still keep one gifts and I still keep one pass and flames in. Eh. Um, and then uh, eh. ec- wipe, wipe away echoing truth are there to deal with the rest in pieces. Uh, empty the warrens is if I can set up a huge empty turn, pl- pl- make like twelve goblins on turn two or turn three, and just hope um, and, then Giga and just hope they don't go terminus. <laughs> yeah, and then Giga Drows or Detention Sphere. By the way, Giga Drows is oh. uh, one of those powerful cards against blue white control. 
because it's a blue mana for an instant that says tap target permanent, but it has replicate. So for however much blue mana I have, I can tap one of each of those permanents for you, which is very, very good. Oh, yeah. Now, that said, what happened is I set aside those cards to sideboard them in. I set aside the cards I took out. I shuffled one pile into my deck and I put the other pile back in my deck box. I actually didn't sideboard for game two. Huh. Because I grabbed the wrong pile and shuffled it into my deck. Oh, no. (laughs) Not that I shuffled the wrong pile of cards into my deck from, like, the wrong sideboard cards in. I didn't side in my lightning bolts. I just didn't sideboard. So basically you separated the two piles out and just grabbed the wrong pile? Exactly. (laughs) And I looked at my deck box afterwards and there were all of my sideboard cards that I was going to side in against control separated from all my sideboard cards that were not coming against control. And I was like, well, this is awkward. Um, And so, but what happened in this game is I managed to land some early creatures. (laughs) Roe did not manage to get rid of them in any kind of early manner. And I got him down to 13 life or 10 life, actually. At at that point, he kind of wrathed the board. And then I did a mini storm turn where I tried to get up to 10, but I could only get up to eight. This involved him countering several of my spells. So I was just like, okay, I'm going to grape shot you down from 10 to eight, from ten to 2. My hand consists of Desperate Ritual, and I'm going to say go. It was at this point that he had an active Teferi, also had an active Celestial Colonnade, and began attacking me with it. I got down to 3 life over the course of 4 turns, or actually 5 turns, because I was at 19 from a Shivan Reef. And then I draw for the turn, and it's an opt. Roe has like 5, 6 cards in hand. All of them had to be good because he was like – he had Teferi up at eight, at 8 loyalty. It wasn't close to being close. So basically you're like, I need to win. Otherwise, Teferi's going off. Correct. Well, I was at 3 life and had a Celestial Colonnade in play. Oh, well, I had you were to dead anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I cast Opt. It resolves. I see an Opt on top. I don't know if I can do better than an Opt, so I'm going to draw this Opt. I Opt again. I see Manamorphose on top. I can't take this Manamorphose because he's just going to counter it. He's been countering every Manamorphose that I've cast, so I need to put this to the bottom. So I put it to the bottom and I draw Grape Shot. I then cast Desperate Ritual, and then I cast Grape Shot for four copies to deal four damage to him. In order for Roe to not lose the game or lose the match, he needed to either have three counter spells off of, I think it was like five or six mana, or have play Mindbreak Trap. Huh. Which, for those who don't know, Mindbreak Trap is two blue-blue for an instant, exile any number of target spells, but if your opponent had cast three or more spells in that turn, you may pay it for zero. Yeah, it's one of the the traps were weird, kind of like, if opponent has done this this turn, get rid of it. Do that, yeah. Like, it's what's it? Cheaper. Ravenous Trap exiles your is, graveyard? Is free, it exiles target player's graveyard if three or more cards go into their graveyard from anywhere this turn, yeah. It's it's a nice um, silver bullet. It was a nice silver bullet for Dredge when it was like really whooping butt with um. It's still it's still a sideboard card right now in modern. In a couple. Of well, no, no, I meant when it it was when Dredge was really going ham with Gogard yeah. Grave Troll. Yeah. Now that said, um, Roe had neither of those things. He had a Cryptic Command, so he could counter draw, but he didn't have three counter spells, so he died. Um. And he may have punted in game one. That's what he said he did because uh, he had a Vidillion click and looked at my hand. It had no lands in it. It had all action and he chose not to do anything with it because I had like a pieces of the puzzle, a Gifts Ungiven, a couple rituals and a cantrip I want to say. Uh, and he just didn't move anything. So not too big there. Um, round three. By the way, at this point I'm 2-0. and So feeling pretty good. You know, 4-0 and means you get to ID into the top eight. You should probably um, X and 1 – you, you need to win out. So round three, I get player paired against James Hess, 
who is a very, very good local player. He has played on the Pro Tour before. Uh, he had a great story. Um, he and his teammates went to one of the team limited GPs, and they scrubbed out a day one pretty bad. Uh, but what they noticed is that this was a Rivals of Ixalan uh, RP, uh, GP. So the PTQ the next day on Sunday was also going to be uh, Rivals of Ixalan Team Limited. And they realized that one player was always on Merfolk, one player was always on Vampires, and one player was always on Five Color Control. And they're always and they're almost always in the same seats. So what they did is instead of metagaming like where they want to sit or what decks each person wants to play, they metagamed the decks. So they put the fast aggro deck in the middle against the five color value deck, and then they put their other decks on Merfolk or Vampires. Wow. And they won that PTQ and they went to uh the twenty fifth anniversary pro tour. That's pretty crazy. Which is pretty crazy. So I knew that this was going to be a rough match. And James plays hardened scales. He's been playing. He's played affinity in the past. He's moved on to hardened scales because it's just way more explosive than normal. Uh, game one, I won on turn three uh, on the draw. By the way, uh, thanks to the fact that I played a Baral on turn two instead of a Goblin Electromancer, which I didn't have in hand uh, because his turn two involved playing a Walking Ballista for two, as the biggest that he could make it. Um, if I had played, if I had played Electromancer, it would have died. Um, then, uh, game two, I was in the middle of storming off and I had a window where I needed to get rid of a Relic of Progenitus and, or some other lock piece. There was a Grafdigger's Cage in play as well. Not Relic, it was a Tormod's Crypt, excuse me. And I had a Gifts and Given in hand and I spent at probably two to three minutes thinking about what to get with this Gifts and Given. Uh, towards the end of that time... James was like, I need you to make a play. And like he know he knows my deck and like he knows that it's it's hard to come up with these lines when you have gifts and given in, in your hand. And I'm like, you're right. I'm gonna make a play. So I made the gifts piles and I got what I wanted. He, he didn't give me what I wanted, but I unfortunately didn't get what I needed to win that game, so I ended up losing. Uh, and then in game three, uh, I punted because he I tapped below wipe away mana and he presented a lethal ink moth nexus. Uh, which, by the way, wipe away returns target permanent to its owner's hand, not target non-land permanent like Echoing Truth does. Gotcha. So lost there uh, because he went pseudo all in on this walk on this uh, Ink Moth Nexus, and I just didn't have any answers. In fact, a heck he of a mechanic. Had, he also had double. He also had double hardened scales every game, which that's a little bit of a high roll. But I'm not going to get upset at that. You know, sometimes you draw well, sometimes you don't. That's just magic. Yep. Next round, round four, I play against Ben Chatham, who was on Humans, which is a notoriously bad matchup for Storm because they just play a lot of really annoying things and present a very fast clock. They, yeah, they have they have uh, a clock with disruption. Game one and game two almost went exactly identically, uh, playing an early Thalia that I had to remove. I think in game one, he actually went um, a Noble Hierarch, Noble Hierarch into like Thalia or something, I want to say, a bunch of X1s, and I just, and I just killed all those X1s. Um, but in, but, uh, in both games, it was like reflector mage, bounce your dude, reflector mage, bounce your dude, phantasm or phantasmal image on reflector mage, bounce your dude, play Thalia, kill you. Um, for the, our sideboard plan for humans is bring in two lightning bolts, bring in two abrades, bring in an echoing truth, bring in a dismember and bring in a flame slash. Uh, the flame slash is mainly there for meddling mage as a different name. What we take out four copies of slide of hand, one copy of noxious revival, one copy of empty the wards and one copy of pieces of the puzzle. Mainly because empty is not good when your opponent is making bigger dudes than you are. Yeah, when you've got a lot of X one, we got a lot of one ones going up against a 
a wall of a wall of X twos at the minimum. Yeah, and again, their hates like Thalia, Meddling Mage, Kitesol Freebooter, Gaddic Teague. They play Damping Sphere, um, and in game two, uh, I died because he went like Thalia into Damping Sphere into Reflector Mage into Kitesol Freebooter into Phantasmal Image on Reflector Mage. It just wasn't. Cl- it just wasn't close to being close. You literally couldn't stick anything worth sticking. Nope. So I was down to two and two, which I, I still felt okay at. I mean, I knew I knew two and two, X and two was going to be hard to make top eight, uh, but I, I felt like it was still potentially possible. Yeah. Um, round five, I played against Matt Wright, who was on Bant Spirits, which I had a lot of testing against Bant Spirits because uh, a friend of the podcast, Vinny, he played it at the RPTQ. And so the day before, we just sat, we sat, we, I went to his place, we jammed a bunch of humans or a bunch of Storm versus Spirits, helped him figure out what the matchup would have been if he placed, faced any Storm players. He didn't. Um, and I knew I was going to face a Bant Spirits deck, so I, it was very helpful for me, at least. Um, I won game one through double uh, Mausoleum Wanderer and a Spell Queller over the course of the game. And on the turn that Matt died, which, by the way, he's a very bright young kid. He has a pretty bright future ahead of him, I think, in Magic, if that's the way he wants to go. Um, I, on my upkeep, I cast Noxious Revival targeting Gifts Ungiven to my graveyard. And he tanked on this for a little bit because I only had access to five mana. And he's like, okay, it resolves. Put Gifts Ungiven on top, drew it, played a Baral, and I started to go off. And he just never had a window to interact with that in that way. Um, uh, it was a 2-2 because he had a Lord in play. Um, but I just managed to... Um, get there, which was rough, but I managed to get there with uh, in game one. Our sideboard plan for Bant Spirits, bring in a Dismember, a Wipe Away, a, one copy of a Braid, Echoing Truth, Flame Slash, Giga Drows, also very good against a deck that's an Ether Vile Flash deck, especially if they're playing Rattle Chains, which I don't know if Matt was, but I wouldn't put it above him. I know Rattle Chains is like a one to two of nowadays. And then the reason why I, I played this main deck, two copies of Thing in the Ice. Because it's hard for them to beat a seven eight, especially yeah, especially um, when it flips and bounces everything back to their hand. Yeah, because hexproof don't matter when everything goes back. Yeah, and then their sideboard hate is things like rest in peace, Thalia, Gaddic Teague, occasionally uh, damping sphere, and I knew Vinny and I believe Mason as well were both playing Eidolon or Rhetoric and not playing damping sphere. So that was something that I knew I needed needed to be aware of if I played one of them, which I ended up not doing so. Uh, game two, uh, Matt stuck a early Thalia and then uh, had two paths to exiles to kill my things, and he managed to assemble a clock before I could do anything. Uh, in game three, on the other hand, uh, pretty much a similar thing. I had Shivan Reefs. It was hurting me a little bit. Uh, he had a Selfless Spirit in play, and I had a Baral, and the, the one card I had in hand was Dismember, and he cast a main phase. He cast a Collected Company at the end of turn, uh, looked at the top. Two, six cards of his deck, and then put two drug school captains into play, meaning that my dismember did nothing. Yeah, because you don't even have an, a chance to interact once they hit, because they hit simultaneously. Correct. <laughs> and then he attacked me for 10, and I was at 10, and I died. I mean, it's not even like so, you put one drug school captain and you have a second to interact with that. No. He, <laughs> sorry. Nope. Literally all your removal is dead. Yeah, Um. and... It, that's just what happened, and so sometimes, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, and uh, got he got a little high rolling on that collected company. But again, that's that's collected company. And that's- For every time you collect a company into a noble hierarch and nothing else, you coco into double lord and you know kill me. So yeah, no, that's it's a little unfortunate there. Yeah, and that's why cat is on bant as opposed to just blue white. Everyone's like, oh, blue white man is better, but she's like, no man, 
Coco is a heck of a card. Collective Company is a very, very powerful magic card. And then last round, I play against Michael McClure, who is on Tron. An excellent way to bookend the day. Tron versus Tron. Start on Tron, end up against Tron. Um, I already mentioned the sideboard plan. Two pieces, one wipe, two abrade. Take out two gifts, one past, one slight, one Noxus revival. Uh, game one is the traditional tr- storm kill. I play a, a bear on turn two. He does nothing. I kill him on turn three. Easy as pie. Uh, game two, he went to a mulligan to four. I wrote, I wrote the chart as mulligan to five or mulligan to four. Yeah, he mulligan to four. His hand went turn four Karn off perfect Tron on turn three into turn five Ulamog. There's not many games of magic you're winning when your opponent goes turn four Karn, turn three Ulamog. Turn five Ulamog? Turn five Ulamog, excuse me. Yeah, and on a mull of four? Yeah. Like, remember what I said about the the god draw? There you yeah. go. <laughs> when when yeah. Tron gets its god draw, sometimes your deck, like my deck, I don't know, my deck will be very dependent on what I had board state-wise and in hand protection, but I could probably beat a turn four Karn in that window before they stick turn five Ulamog. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I just, even, didn't have, I just didn't have any pressure. I don't think even like a moderately okay infect hand can beat that kind of curve out by Tron. Yeah, uh, and then in game three, uh, not only did he find a lot of his you know other sideboard cards, uh, but he found three relic of progenitors over the course of the entire game, including a thought not seer, including a worm coil engine, and just didn't get there. And uh, yeah, I managed to get him down to twelve. Attacked once with worm coil engine up to eighteen and. Just didn't happen, and so I ended up the event at two and four. Um, there were uh, there were uh, at least two other storm pilots at the event um, who did varying shades of better or worse. Um, Vinny went three and three and managed to get into the prizes. They paid out to the top thirty two. Uh, I got thirty second, or not thirty second. I got thirty third. Excuse me, but the thirty second place player was also a six pointer, so I lost out on prizes on tiebreakers. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's Oops. just like God. Well, I, I, I didn't when I lost that round. I didn't expect to get any prizes, but then I find out that another six pointer got prizes, and I didn't. I'm just like, this sucks. I will say this: I almost always expect to be on the bad side of breakers like that. Yeah, it's just. I mean, my I, my, my breakers weren't great either. Well, no, I'm just saying. Still. Like, I always tend to be on the bad side because with the decks that I play, you know, with it being infect, I'm usually winning. Like even if you go two and one, that actually somewhat helps your breakers better than two zero because your opponent at least won a game. Like I'm very boomer bust with my decks, where I'll either win two zero or lose o two. So like Mm -hmm. my breakers are just utter trash sometimes when with the decks that I play. So I I still felt good that I read the field correctly. I I think I had the right sideboard plan. I think I'm I don't know if I had the right deck configuration, but I feel confident that it was very very good. I just sometimes I just ran a little little cold towards the end is all. So, and to be fair, like I said, you and I run boomer bust decks, and that can definitely happen. I mean, you like you said, you did a great job predicting the field, and in yeah. modern and like in modern, I only played to like of of all my six rounds, only two of them didn't go to three games. Yeah, I won two zero against blue white. I lost o two to humans. Every other every other round. I played, you know, I played seven games and I won five game ones all day. I just couldn't win a sideboard game to save my life. It seemed. Yeah, well, like you, but like I said, in modern predicting the field will help inform 
A, your testing and also your cyborg, which is, you know, sometimes you just have to be like, I'm just going to make sure I have cyborg plans against these five decks I expect and hope to God I don't hit these other three. And if you hit the five you expect, there you go. That said, like in my hands right now, what I was reading off of is I printed out a sideboard guide based off of kind of Caleb Shearer's articles and whatnot of what cards I need to bring in or take out for this for like the decks and like the decks that are on here. Humans, Burn, Hollow One, Infect, Bridgevine, Titan Shift, Affinity, KCI, Dredge, Storm, Living in, Boggles, Tron, Ponza, Blue Red Wizards, Burn, uh, Bant Spirits, Jund, Mardu, Grixis the Shadow, Blue White Control, Jeskai Control, Hardened Scales, Amulet Titan, Blue Moon, Is it Phoenix, Counters Company. Those are all the decks I had sideboard plans for. And that's... See, you have a, a deck that can actually sideboard decently against a large swath of the format. Yes. I know some of the guys... I know Tom Ross was saying at the SCG Con, he played Infect again, and he said his deck felt great, but like even against Bant Spirits, the deck needs like one or two more cards. And it's like, yep, yep. That's, that's very fair for how Infect feels. It's like, man, I wish I had like two more cards I can jam in here, but I don't have the ability to use them. The top eight uh, ended up being Hardened Scales at the hands of James Hess, James Hess uh, playing against Hollow One, against a player who literally started playing during Ixalan block. Wow. Uh, Hollow One ended up winning in three games. Uh, the Red-Green Titan Shift Mirror Match, which was interesting. Um, I believe the higher-seeded player won that one. Um, what The other player mulliganed to four in game three. Ooh, so yeah, it's hard to, hard yeah. to win with a mull to four with Titan Shift. Yeah. Uh, Runaway Red. The Runaway Steamkin plus, like, Mono Red Burn deck uh, up against Bridgevine, which Runaway Red won. And then Jund versus Jeskai Control, uh, which Jeskai won 2-0. Um, it's a, the Jund player didn't make him play out game one through a Teferi Emblem, so... It's a thing where Jeskai being the control deck is better suited to the mid, like, to the middle to end, end game. Yeah. Jund just needs to get through the early turns against Aggro, and it'll lock it down. It, John needs yeah. to win quick versus Jeskai, and if you don't draw quick enough, that's yeah. it's it's and the whole, the it's the whole control the, aggro uh, mid range rock paper scissors fight. And the Jeskai player was stuck on four lands for many turns. Ooh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, you need to start being like able to turn turn some value out of some of your cards. Like I think they might bring in like what tireless tracker against that just to uh, tracker choke. Um, yeah, because you need to be able to play like tracker to start generating some card advantage. Because otherwise, Jeskai yeah. will just outdraw you. Uh, I can I can tell you right now that I know that the uh, I think that the Jun player was playing main deck trackers. Um, I mean, that's not a bad choice. It really isn't. Um, he just might have gotten lucky with some of his Bloodbraid hits and some other things. But regardless, that was my RPTQ. Um, I wish I could have done better. Uh, just again, like started two zero. This is the third of this is the third straight event. Well, not third straight event. Third, I started two PTQs 2-0, as well as this event 2-0, only to lose every single round. Wow. Yeah. Uh, those two PTQs was when I was testing uh, Mono Red uh, Goblin God Pharaoh's Gift in standard. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, that was a fun deck. I, I, I don't miss that deck, but I kind of miss that deck. Yeah, that's one of those like, man, that was a that was a heck of a deck, huh? Wasn't better than Mono Red for the Team RPTQ, though. Well, yeah, but, but you know, it's funny. You look back like, man, huh? All right. Yeah, that was that was a fun one. Anyways, that I think finally does it. I know we went a little bit long, but we had a lot of things to talk about, and I wanted to get through all of this. Uh, I want to thank um, the organizer, the owner of TNLG, who set up, who did a good job for setting up the tournament. Uh, I want to thank each of my opponents: uh, Tim Harris, Rohan Iosa, James Hess, 
Ben Chatham, Matt Wright, and Michael McClure for being great opponents. I want to thank uh, Vinny. I want to thank uh, Doug. I want to thank Mason Clark uh, for all being people who have who gave input and help with kind of testing and figuring out whether or not you know what type of deck was going to be good for this weekend. Um, and yeah, it was just uh, just fell on the wrong side of things. Is all. Yeah, I mean, it'll happen. Unfortunately, from time to time, it stinks. It does, but oh well. Yeah, Ian. Yeah, if people want to see you stream more niv mizzets where can they do oh that? yeah you can see well you can see my link i'll make sure it gets in the show notes um uh on twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks i'll be streaming i've actually i'm really going to start solidifying this schedule so i streamed on monday so monday's gonna be arena thursdays will be arena or magic online if there's like a cube or i want to play modern or i have a modern or legacy event to test for which might be happening in February with SCG Baltimore, which is Team Trios. I got to find a team for that. But usually we'll do more arena on Thursdays. Friday, Saturday, Sunday is going to be a wild card where you can follow me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J to see if I'm going to be streaming on those days. Uh, This weekend on Saturday and Sunday, I intend to build a Lego NASA Saturn... NASA Apollo Saturn V rocket set with 1,969 pieces. Nice. I need, yeah. Well, it's 1969, the year we went to the moon. But I need a couple days because that's, I know for a fact, even when I did my uh, Poe Dameron one, that was like 800, and that still took me like two streams. So this one's going to be a marathon. It might even need three streams for it, but we'll see how it goes. It's a big, it's a big thing. It's probably going to be displayed in my living room, but uh, that'll be fun to do. Uh, feel free to tune in and follow me on Twitter. Again, Dixonij, D-I-X-O-N-I-J on Twitter, and it's Dix, D-I-X on Twitch. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129, that's J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle, so if you see me in the chat room, do not hesitate to say hi. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast directly, you can do so in one of two ways. You can either find us on Twitter at Eyes and the Mize, or if you have a more personal question, you can shoot us an email at eyesandthemize at gmail.com. We would love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, also, we, our lovely we listeners. do have a listener question or two that we need to get to, and we will get to it. Might be end of the year, beginning of the year, before we get to that. Yes. We'll we'll get there eventually. But in any case, I'm John. That's Ian. Thank you all so much for listening. And We'll talk to y'all next time.